This week on the Fieldhouse Files, Pacers head coach Nate McMillan joins me for a fun, wide-ranging conversation, ending with his memories from battling Michael Jordan even before he was MJ. And welcome into another episode of the Fieldhouse Files. I'm Scott Agnes. I hope this finds you well as we have brighter days ahead and potentially basketball resuming sometime this summer. That is all still up in the air for now. In the meantime, The Athletic continues to pump out outstanding, unique content to keep you both informed and entertained. And right now, we're still offering that 90-day free trial. Or even better yet, for my listeners, get 40% off the annual price by going to theathletic.com slash fieldhousefiles. Meanwhile, Pacer players and coaches are still out of town and with family. That includes Coach McMillan, who is back home in Raleigh, North Carolina. And recently, he agreed to make another appearance on the show. And this time, I wanted to have a different conversation because so much of what I discuss with him is about that day, that week, an upcoming feature, or quite frankly, this year, it was about the plethora of injuries that they continued to deal with. No, this I wanted to be different, and I think you'll enjoy it. We talked about the importance of routine, how he leans on the three T's and three C's, and how leadership has been critical in his time with the Pacers. Plus, he shared something I had never heard him talk about before and took me back to his childhood days in Carolina. Let's get to it. My conversation with Pacers head coach, Nate McMillan. Nate, I know you've missed all of us on the Pacers beat. Can you share with me and Pacer fans kind of what you've been up to over the last six weeks? I certainly do miss you guys uh, speaking with you every day. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm in North Carolina, and, uh, you know, I've spent the last week and a half uh, here. I was in Indy uh, the first two, three weeks uh, of uh, the postponement of the season, and uh, my condo was closing in on me, uh, you know, staying inside uh, every day and not being able to go to the gym and work out, uh, got a little tight in there. So I came down uh, to North Carolina to check on some family and to uh, give myself a little space and, uh, you know, just waiting uh, this thing out and uh, hoping that we can get back out on the floor uh, here real soon. The strange thing is all of us, especially in the NBA, are so used to our routines And that's completely been disrupted. And right now you should be preparing for a playoff series. But instead, what are you doing? You're keeping in touch with with your players. And and have you transitioned maybe even into your offseason stuff, such as reviewing players' film from the year? Uh, Well, what I've done, you know, the first week, uh, you know, as soon as this was uh, uh, post, the season was postponed. I mean, really it was a shock uh, that I think went through uh, certainly the NBA, but, you know, the entire country um, where, you know, things just came to a halt and um, it was almost like, you know, uh, you know, losing a series and the season is over, uh, you know, but in, in this case, uh, it was just postponed, you know, so the first, you know, week or so, uh, I think we, everybody was just in shock, you know, you didn't have a routine, you really didn't know what to expect. Uh, you know, we started to, uh, you know, I was staying up late and, and getting up late and uh, really didn't have that r- routine. But, you know, quickly, I would say probably the, the, the next week after, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, sitting around wondering what was going to go on. Uh, I knew that we, I needed to get back to a routine. Uh, we were in contact uh, with our players. Uh, we've, we've been in contact with our players, you know, throughout this 
uh, time off and uh, just really updating them with uh, information that we're getting uh, from uh, the league and uh, from the organization and, uh, you know, checking on those guys to see, you know, how they're doing and, uh, you know, their families are doing. But, uh, you know, you, you do need to get back into a routine. And I did get back into my routine, which is, uh, you know, getting up 630, uh, getting up and doing something and, uh, you know, uh, you know, working out uh, uh, some and, um, you know, just, you know, really looking at a lot of basketball, you know, talking to a lot of uh you know, friends, family, coaches, uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, and, and, and speaking with those uh, folks, checking on them uh, and doing some things that, you know, you really just didn't have the time to do, uh, you know, when you uh, when we were in midseason. So, uh, you know, waiting this thing out and uh, hoping that, uh, you know, we can, you know, play basketball here uh, soon. Have you taken on or reduced any bad habits? Are you drinking less coffee or or anything like that? <laughs> no, man, I'm still getting up. Uh, you know, I get up at six 30 and, uh, I yeah. <clears throat> try to get moving, uh, around seven, seven thirty, And, uh, I do have to have my cup of coffee. I still get my cup of coffee, uh, in the morning and, you know, try to work out, you know, every other day, you know, I've, I've put so much, uh, uh, pounding on this body, uh, that I can't go every day, uh, you know, far as, uh, ex, you know, exercising and, and doing things like that. Uh, but, you know, the routine is, is pretty much uh, still the same. I've, I've been doing a lot of things around the house. Uh, you know, my wife got me doing fixing furniture. I mean, all kinds oh, no. of things. Man. I, I really, I really need to get back, uh, to work because, uh, this work around the house being a handyman, uh, it's not something I want to continue to do. Yeah. I was going to say, this is a time where you're figuring out how much you love basketball and maybe how much you're not good around the house or, or staying still and kept to one room. You're used to traveling around the country at this point. Well, you know, it, I, what we talked about with the players, <clears throat> You know, really, this is a life lesson, you know, for uh, for all of us. And, uh, you know, we where, you know, your parents talk, talk to you about educating yourself and, uh, you know, what, what are you going to do uh, if you don't have basketball? And, uh, you know, this day is going to come for all of us where uh, the game stops and it's over for you. And what are you going to do? Uh, you know, life after uh, basketball or going into retirement. And, uh, you know, you, you need to really think about that. Uh, uh, you know, I've been doing that uh, awful lot, uh, certainly a lot more now uh, than, than I have been in the past. But, you know, this is something that I think about often uh, is what 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 else do I want to do or, or, or can do uh, if basketball is taken away from me? And, uh, you know, you know, basketball, uh, you know, our normal lives have really been taken away from us. And uh, it's, it's really an opportunity for you to uh, reflect and, and think about your life and think about how blessed we all are uh, to have, you know, jobs and to, uh, you know, have uh you know, uh, jobs and family and, and friends and a place to go, uh, you know, food on the table, uh, you know, all of those things that we I think we take for granted. You know, you look back at it now and, you know, we don't know if it's going to get back to 
uh, that life that we were uh, living before all of this happened. And, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people in this country uh, that go through uh, what this country is going through every single day where they lose their jobs, uh, they lose their careers, they don't have food on the table, uh, they are struggling, uh, you know, they need help, they need assistance. And now it's, I think it's just a light shining on uh, what a lot of people have been going through uh, for a long time. And, you know, now a lot of us are going through it, if not all of us are going through uh, you know, some of these things where we've lost our jobs, we've lost our careers, uh, we need help, we need assistance. And, uh, you know, you just, you know, I've looked back and just thought about how blessed uh, I've been and uh, a lot of us, uh, we've been uh, to have all of these things. And, uh, but now to have them taken away from you, uh, you know, I, I, we should be better when we get that opportunity to go back to uh, life as we, we knew it. And I think the, the crazy thing about you taking over as head coach, forget the coaching and the X's and O's and everything, is nothing about you in this role has been typical or easy. And what I mean by that is right away you had Paul George wanting out. Then you had that trade. Then you had Victor's injury. Now you, you went to India. Um, and now you have Jeremy Lamb's injury in this stoppage. And I think – as a guy you are that that preaches calm waters and, and staying lifted and and this is a time even with the players and everyone in the league I worry about even the mentals in all of this right that um, I think that's been huge and I, I think that's where you can play a big part probably in all this is just your leadership and comforting of, of these guys when they need it beyond the basketball yeah absolutely you know we talk about adapting all the time and you know that's something that I've learned that uh, you have to learn uh, to do throughout life, you know, is adapt to uh, the conditions, adapt to the situation, uh, you know, not only in life, but uh, out on the basketball floor. You know, right now we are using a lot of, uh, you know, the things that we talk about uh, during the season and in the locker room. Uh, and it's not just for the basketball floor uh, or the court. You know, it's, it's really everyday life. You know, we talk about, you know, our 3T and, um, you know, the, you know, 3T for us is trust, uh, toughness and, you know, being together. And, you know, you know, one of the things that you have to do right now is, you know, the trust part of it is we got to trust these ex experts, uh, you know, and what they're telling us uh, that is going on uh, in this country around the world. And, uh, you know, we got to be tough. You know, we, we're going to have to, you know, tough it out. Uh, 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 in this situation. It's difficult for everybody, um, but we have to be tough in this situation. We talk about being together. Uh, you know, we are all in this together, and it's really good to, uh, you know, be a part of, a, a, of, of an organization uh, and, and being able to be connected uh, with a group at, uh, during this time. It's not just the the Pacer players or the Pacer team right now, it's the entire organization. And we have, you know, a, a conference call uh, weekly uh, that Rick uh, and Kevin 
and and Chad and Donna, you know, all of those uh, guys, they they set up where uh, all of the employees for the Pacers uh, organization uh, can hear what's going on, the latest news. They can ask questions. You know, we have our doctors on there. We have all kinds of people. Uh, we've had the mayor uh, come in and, and speak to us. Uh, but to be connected and be together, I think, is really uh, important. You know, we talk about our three C's uh, during the during the course of uh, the season. Uh, and when we're playing, you know, we always talk about our three C's uh, during, the, during a game. And that's calm, clear and being connected. You know, at this time, you got to be calm. You know, you, you have to be patient. Uh, everybody wants to get out and do some things. But uh, you got to you, you got to be calm in situations or in a time like this. You know, talk about being clear, you know, uh, you know, take this take this uh, virus serious. Um, you know, clear about what you need to do uh, and how you need to protect yourself, your your family and other people, uh, you know, and being connected. You know, uh, you got to be in contact with uh, stay connected with what's going on out here and the changes that are, are happening. So, you know, we we're using our standards and we're talking to our players about 3T and the three C's. Um, far as uh, how we adapt to this situation that we're currently living in. You personally talk about those three C's often. Where, where did that come from? Was that another coach? Was that just you coming up with it? Or? Well, it's just, uh, it was, uh, I take a little bit from all my coaches, you know, uh, and I've had some really good coaches, you know, it's, it's like, it's almost like parenting, uh, you know, at the time that you are with those coaches or uh, your parent, uh, it's like, and, and they're telling you things and they're, they are showing you things. Uh, you know, you got, you're rolling your eyes and they're getting on your nerves. And, you know, as soon as you grow up and become a man or, or an adult, uh, you think back on all the things that those coaches were saying and that your parents were saying. And, uh, you remember that those things are, are, are so important. So I've, basically kind of gathered gathered that uh throughout my uh career uh you know my life and you know just thinking what's important especially on a a basketball court uh and doing that last five minutes of a basketball game uh that you need to have with you out on that floor and we always put on the board you know that's kind of that's always the key for us uh, during the course of a game is to be calm, be clear and be connected uh, out on the on the floor. So it's just something that kind of came up with, uh, you know, throughout my basketball days. Gotcha. I, I've seen you now coach and then back when you were playing, it seems like whenever I talk to people, some of the first things they mentioned beyond your game was just how you've always been organized, always been thorough. Was that always been a trait you've possessed or is that something maybe you attribute to your parents? Um, what do you think about that? Scott, that's a fear. You know, that's a, just a fear of failure. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I've, I've always, you know, some people say I overprepare, uh, but uh, just a fear of failure uh, and not wanting to fail. You know, uh, you know, a long time ago when I was playing basketball, I didn't really start playing um, uh, 
basketball in school until I got into the 10th grade. You know, at that, you know, when I was growing up, it was called a junior high where we had seventh, eighth and ninth graders and high school was 10th, 11th and 12th. But junior high school is where a lot of kids started playing basketball. I wouldn't try out for my basketball team because even though, you know, in my community, I knew I was one of the better players. Well, I didn't know, but I, you know, I, when I was playing with uh, the kids in my community, I had a lot of success uh, in the community uh, and in the parks and recreation, but I was afraid to go out for the school team because I was afraid of um, getting cut from the team, not making it. You know, it's just, it's almost like that story, Michael Jordan getting cut <laughs> from his 10th grade uh, high school team. So finally, once I got into uh, high school and my 10th grade year, my brother, uh, I have an older brother who uh, has been really was the father figure for my family, uh, made me go out. He knew I was good enough to make the team, uh, but that fear of failure kept me from trying out uh, for high school or school sports. I always stayed in the community center and played park and recreation uh, uh, sports. You know, I played all sports, basketball, football, baseball, was did well in all sports. But uh, once I got to high school, I thought the basketball was probably the safest sport. And my brother decided that, look, you are going out or I'm going to beat you up. One of the two, <laughs> you know, so either you deal with me or you go out for this team, end up going out for uh, my 10th grade team, making it. Uh, but but that preparation is really uh, that fear of failure, you know, making sure that you are prepared for whatever it is that you are, uh, you know, the task that that's at hand and uh, that you're going to do. That's amazing to me, the fact that you kind of picked it up in the 10th grade, um, then went on to, to later play and have a good career at NC State, and of course we know in the NBA, and then it was really cool, just last year, your high school retired your jersey. So it just, just a few years there, the type of impact you were able to have, that had to be pretty special for you. It was. It, it really was, you know, and the, 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 you know, the thing about that was uh, there were so many really good players uh, that came before me, uh, that played at my high school. One of them was, uh, you know, the son of uh, a legend in our community is T.J. Warren. His father and I played at the same high school. Uh, his father, Tony, was a legend in our community, and uh, he was a great player, uh, you know, a guy that I would go up to uh, the park and watch him play. They all would play uh, on Saturday mornings and, you know, guys like David Thompson and, and Monty Tal and, uh, you know, those guys who played at NC State would come over to this community center where I grew up at. And Tony, Tony Warren would be playing with these guys. And I would just sit there and watch them. I was a you know little young kid uh, sitting on the sidelines, but watching uh, them play. And uh, Tony was, uh, you know, Tony was as smooth as as TJ. Uh, had a real smooth game, ended up going to NC State, playing at North Carolina State, uh, just as TJ did. And uh, I think he went to the pro, but didn't really have a career uh, in the NBA, but just a local legend uh, around here. And, you know, there was a, you know, Danny Young is another guy that uh, played at, uh, played at uh, my high school. So there was a lot of guys that, 
came before me that their jerseys are not retired right now. And what we are trying to do is get those guys, get their jerseys up, uh, uh, up on the wall. Um, because I thought, you know, I thought it was a really good thing, but there are some people before me that deserve to, uh, to be up there. And, uh, you know, that's something that I'm working with the high school about doing retiring and getting, uh, those guys jerseys up on, um, uh, up in the stands. And, uh, uh, but it was a great, you know, great night, uh, for me and, uh, a couple other local guys that, uh, that played. And you obviously knew about TJ, but I was curious, what was your reaction then when, when Kevin called you and said on, on draft, or maybe you were in the room together actually on draft night, say, Hey, we got TJ. You go, Oh man, I have all kinds of history with that family. I know him. Yeah, he, you know, I, I knew about him and, um, I hadn't, hadn't met him until, uh, he came to Indiana, even though, you know, we, we are here and I was just uh, talking to a friend who, uh, who saw TJ, uh, two days ago riding his bike. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so TJ is here in town, he's riding his bike and he's working out, you know, trying to get himself ready, uh, to, to, uh, to start the season whenever we, we start the season, but yeah, he, you know, I was excited, you know, because I, I, I knew about his game, you know, I watched him at NC state play and, uh, you know, the few years that he uh, was in the NBA, I knew what type of talent. So really excited about, uh, you know, having the opportunity to work with him. Uh, he and I, he and, uh, me and his father, uh, we talked a lot. You know, it's a lot of people in the community, people from NC State, you, you know, all of these people that I know and I'm familiar with, uh, you know, was telling me about him. You know, so they were excited that we were connecting. And it's been a joy. You know, that there were some things that uh, people told us that uh, we saw different. You know, one of the things was he wasn't a defender. He didn't put in that uh, you know, the, the, the effort on the defensive end of the floor. And that's that's been totally false with us. TJ has been one of our better defenders uh, this season. And I think that's part uh, of, you know, he's understanding what he needed to improve on and coming into our system where we, we expect you to make that effort on the defensive end of the floor. He came in with that mindset that he was going to be a better defender. And uh, it, it also helped that David West, uh, mentors, uh, uh, TJ, you know, David is very close with, uh, TJ and has, uh, TJ went through David's, uh, program that he has here. Uh, and David has been working with, uh, TJ, uh, you know, since high school. And, uh, so David, you know, also told him, you know, what to expect, you know, coming to Indiana and, you know, he's been a a pleasure, uh, to work with. And I just continue to see his growth. Uh, I think he has a lot more uh, that he'll be able to bring uh, to that org- organization. Yeah, you've had several guys that have done a great job of playing better defense than was expected. You go back to, you know, Boyan and Doug, and then and TJ Warren, as as you mentioned. I'm curious for in in terms of coaching, you you kind of retired and then jumped right in. Um, when did you first consider maybe coaching would be in your future after playing days? Well, you know, first I want to, you know, I, I, my coaching staff uh, uh, has been great. And, you know, I've always felt that, uh, you know, I want, you know, I want some guys that they're capable of replacing me. I want, I want the best or try to find the best. And 
you know, part of uh, what uh, the reason that those guys improve defensively, uh, the guys you just mentioned, is uh, our coaching staff. And, and, and Dan Burke is, is one of the best. I would love and, to see uh, him get an opportunity. And I don't even know if he'd want it at this point because of all the extra stuff you have to do, right? Talk he, to us he, every day. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have that ego. I think he, yeah. I think he certainly uh, – deserves a shot in and can uh can do that job uh but he's all about you know wherever he's at he's going to give you uh all he has uh and you know he, he doesn't have that type of ego but certainly uh he can he could uh he could do that job but he's done a great job you know since coming me coming to indiana you know first he was working with frank and uh you know i kind of came in and try to fit in where I was needed uh, on that staff with Frank and, 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 and coach Burke. Uh, but uh, when Frank uh, uh, was let go and I had to pick a staff, you know, Dan Burke became my number one guy. And uh, so there's a reason for these players. Uh, I think showing that growth and improving and, and getting better on the defensive end of the floor, he's, he's totally focused on, on uh, that side of the basketball, and he's done a a great job. But I got into coaching uh, when I was – last year in Seattle, uh, I was playing for uh, George Carl, and, uh, you know, George and I had a really good relationship. And uh, I had told the organization uh, that I was – I'm done, you know, at the end of the season. And George wanted me to – uh, be his assistant. And so I started to think about, you know, again, life after basketball, what do I, what would I like to do? Uh, the organization, you know, Seattle uh, wanted to keep me around and uh, George ended up leaving and going to Milwaukee the following season and wanted me to come in, come on as an assistant. But the Supersonics also wanted me to uh, stay with the organization and uh, West uh, Paul Westfall took over as head coach uh, they put me on the bench with uh, Coach Westfall, and I had that opportunity to to uh, be an assistant and learn from some really good uh, coaches. That, you know, during that time, Dwayne Casey uh, was an assistant at that time. I had, uh, you know, uh, played for Coach Gergrich, uh, so I had an opportunity to look at some assistance as well as work with Dwayne Casey, who I really have a great deal of respect. And you're talking about being prepared for uh, game planning, uh, both uh, Coach Casey and, you know, a guy like Dan Burke. Uh, those guys, uh, when working alongside of them, uh, you have to you have to bring it, you know, because they bring it. You know, they are prepared. Uh, they study, uh, they do their homework, you know, they, they cross the T's and dot their I's on everything uh, that they do. So when you're working with people like that, uh, it forces you to uh, raise your level and uh, make sure that you come in prepared. Bernie Bickerstaff was your first coach, and I know he had a significant impact on you. Um, what do you remember about your time together and how you still stay in contact frequently even today? Yeah, Bernie was uh, my uh, first coach, and, uh, and he was hard. You know, he was he was hard, and uh, you know there were some days where it was like you know you just wanted to uh, 
get out of there. But, uh, you know, he <laughs> challenged me. He put a lot of pressure on me. Um, you know, I was a, a, a rookie who uh, was, you know, coming into a situation where they hadn't won. They, they weren't winning uh, there. I was a number, you know, second round draft pick and, uh, you know, just really a, a player that uh, I don't know if, you know, what people uh, really thought uh, of me uh, during that time, but I was able to get in and work my way uh, on to the floor and, uh, you know, become a starter for a couple of years until we drafted Gary Payton, but uh, ended up having, a, you know, a, a good career, you know, spending all of my years, uh, 12 years in uh, Seattle. But really, after uh, playing for Seattle 12 years, I ended up uh, going into coaching and uh, suspending so really 19 years uh, in Seattle and uh you know, all of that started from, you know, working with uh, Coach Bickerstaff and uh, just uh, he, he was demanding. Um, he was hard. Uh, and, you know, at that time, uh, the way he coached uh, during that time, uh, I've had coaches like that. It didn't really bother me. I thought that he he, he certainly pushed me. And if it was if it wasn't for him, uh you know, I don't know if I would have had that opportunity to uh, spend that amount of time in Seattle. Do you think being the point guard that you were has has impacted your coaching? Meaning, how how open and and, and enabling you are of your point guards of Darren in the past and this year with Malcolm, as we talked about before. How like even in the first quarter, you go into the game and he knows exactly what you want for him to do and has the freedom to just play on. Absolutely. One hundred percent. You know, being the point, uh, running the team, you know, basically, you know, I've always been, uh, you know, a, a, a player that, you know, made, I think we, I made players better, you know, and I, I've, I've never had that ego of of of, you know, wanting to be the best player. Uh, but I, I do have that that ego of wanting to win. So. You know, for me, it was whatever uh, it takes to win, uh, I will do. And, you know, so if that means, you know, being second to someone or third or, you know, down that totem pole, as long as we uh, are, are, are playing right, playing hard, playing together uh, and we're winning, uh, then I'm OK. But if 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 that's not happening, yeah. then I will uh, challenge you and I will do, you know, whatever is necessary to uh, give us a, a chance uh, to win. So, you know, the way that I coach, I totally understand what players are going through, uh, what they need, uh, it, it, all of that, you know, so uh, at, at every position and, you um, so I take that and, it, you know, really uh, that came from me playing that point guard position and having to, you know, set people up, make people happy, challenge people, uh, lift people, uh, encourage them. Uh, you know, all of that came from really running teams from a young age. 
you played and coached at the highest level. I'm curious at this point in your career, what do you enjoy about coaching most right now? Is it the competitiveness, the teaching, impacting lives even off the court? What drives you? It's all of that. You know, it, it's all of that. It's, it's, it's that is again, it's the fear of failure uh, and, and, and pushing and uh, teaching, um, you know, seeing if you, you know, if you can grab a group of young men and, and uh, challenge them, teach them uh, how to play and work as one. And, you know, the, the, you know, the Indiana, you know, it's just like I play, I, I coach for all of those, you know, uh, those fans, man, you know, yeah. it, it bothers me uh, when you drive around and you've lost a game. That bothers me. It really does. And I want people, I know I have, I know that we have an impact on that city, uh, that state, uh, and how people feel every morning uh, when they get up. If the Pacers have played, you know, a lot of people, you know, if the Pacers play and they win, they feel good. And, you know, they, a lot of times, you know, they, they start their day off good. You know, the Pacers won last night. Uh, if the Pacers lose, uh, you know, you wake up in the morning, you, you you don't feel as good. And, you know, you, you see people around uh, town, uh, the, the city, and, you know, you, you talk to them and they recognize you and they will express, you know, what they feel. Uh, but, you know, you have an impact on a lot of people, uh, you know, as far as uh, how they go through their days and uh, you know, I want them, I want them to feel good. I want them to feel good about uh, their team and, you know, how we represent them and uh, how we, we play the game. And, you know, certainly winning is, is a, is a major part of that, but I want, uh, I want the, 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 the city, the state, the fan base, uh, the NBA to respect, uh, the Indiana Pacers uh, basketball team. And uh, we certainly are going to represent that uh, whether we win or lose uh, when we take the floor. That's really good. I appreciate you sharing that, that answer. Um, I wanted to wrap up just because everybody's talking about Michael Jordan and, and the Chicago Bulls and the last stand documentary. You, you lost to them, unfortunately, in the finals going back to the 96 season. But all everything surrounding those teams and whenever you went up against them, what stands out to you most? Well, in that 96 uh, finals, uh, I, you know, I was injured. Uh, uh, had back, I had back issues that, you know, we played a grueling uh, series against the Utah Jazz. You know, at that time, you know, had Malone and, and Stockton, and it was grueling. I mean, it was physical. Uh, it was a pounding. And, you know, we had gone through Houston. Uh, you know, so we, we went through, uh, you know, some grueling series uh, to get to the finals. And I developed back spasms. Uh, uh, in the in the Utah game, I continued to play. I only played in two games uh, in the NBA Finals, which, Man. you know, the two games that I did play a few minutes, we did win. Uh, but they end up winning uh, that series. But I really felt if I was healthy, uh, 
I, I just believed, you know, we had, I think we won 63 games uh, that season. We was just go- running through uh, the NBA. Our defense was one of the top defenses in the league. Uh, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of uh, shooting, but uh, we were a team that could take you out of what you wanted to run and get out in transition and, uh, you know, just hurt you that way. But with me being injured, it really put a lot more pressure on Gary Payton, who was, you know, our other only ball handler uh, out on the floor. Uh, you know, the Bulls, you know, did a good job of really trapping Payton and taking the ball out of his hands. And we didn't really we didn't have another guard. Uh, Hersey Hawkins was more of a two guard. Uh, but Gary and I played a lot and, uh, you know, we, we just didn't have enough. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, Michael would have just raised his level of play, which he normally does. But I really, really do feel if I was healthy, uh, I, I felt we really would have had a shot to, uh, to, to, uh, to win that. Are you watching like all of us on Sunday nights? Absolutely. <laughs> I thought last week was great, you know, and, and what it shows is that, you know, even though you look at these teams and you you see the success, uh, there's so much that goes on behind the scene. And, you know, people, you know, talk about Phil Jackson and, you know, whether, you know, he had all this talent. Uh, you have to manage that. You have to coach that and you have to give him credit. Uh, for, you know, what he did with uh, the teams. Yes, he did have a lot of talent. Uh, he had some of the best players to ever play the game. Uh, but, you know, he had you, – you have to manage all of that. And you, he was able to keep all of that together or keep it uh, together long enough for those guys to win those titles. Uh, and and we're seeing behind the scene all this stuff that's going on, and it, it's what happens with teams. And you know, I think you know, uh, you you hear those stories about Shaq and and Kobe, yeah, and uh, you know the things that the problems that they had. But you know, once they got out on the floor, uh, they put that aside and they were able to win uh, titles. And Michael, and and and. Uh, Rodman and and Pippen and all of these guys, uh, it's it's interesting to see, uh, you know what went on behind the scenes. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely watching it. I can't wait for part three and four uh, to uh, be shown this uh, this Sunday. And uh, Michael, I mean, a great a great great player. I knew I knew Mike before Mike. Uh, I knew Mike when he was Mike Jordan and, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, that was high school. My brother, uh, actually, uh, went to UNC Wilmington, which is where Michael was from. And Mike, uh, would come over to, uh, the school to play in the summertime. And, uh, the year that he was going into UNC, uh, I was a rising senior and my brother was in summer school and he would, he was, you know, telling me he would want to bring me down so I could play against him because Mike would come over during the day to to play. And, you know, he, of course, he wanted to put his little brother up against uh, this guy that everybody was talking about, uh, the top player in North Carolina. And uh, sure enough, he came over and uh, was playing pickup and 
we happened to be on the same team. I never had the chance to play against him. And he was just totally dominating <laughs> my brother and, <laughs> and the, the players at the, at the university over there. And he went on to go to UNC and, you know, the rest is history. How much older is your brother? My brother's five years older. He's uh, okay. he he's six eight. Um, he was a he was a power. He was a forward, uh, but six eight and um, uh, five years older. We played all sports. I used to follow him everywhere he went. I would be a block uh, behind him and his older friends. I never really wanted to play with kids my age, you know. So I would always follow my brother to different community centers and around the city. And, uh, you know, they, they, they would throw rocks at me to try to get me to go home. And, uh, I would eventually end up where they were. And a lot of times I would just sit there and watch them play. And when they didn't have enough guys and, you know, guys was tired and they needed one more player, uh, then they would let me play with them. So I always followed him and wanted to really be like him and, and play with him and uh you know we played all sports we were we were we were pretty good in football basketball and baseball but uh you know he was that guy that uh really got me into sports and uh you know to this day you know he, he sends me uh all kinds of quotes and and messages and uh about life and uh just been a, a great big brother that's really cool. Well, I really enjoyed this, Nate. I appreciate it. We got into different topics than the day to day than we always get into, and I think that would, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, me too.